everyone. It is uh, Friday training. For some of you, it's Thursday. For me, it's Friday. I'm here live in Malta on the last day of the 30-day speaking tour. 23 speeches in 30 days, and I'm nothing but grateful. And just want to welcome everyone today, today in Malta, tomorrow in the rest of the world, uh, is the launch of Season 5, Episode number 1 of Two Minute Drill on Apple TV. So check that out. And uh, I want to introduce my man. There he is, a damn good man. That's Adam Jablin. What's going on, Adam? Hey, brother. How is Malta? You know, I've never been here. And so it's, that's one unique thing. But it was a perfect day. I'd saved the very last day to have a date day. My wife came up on the last leg of my trip. Uh, we were in Chicago, Wisconsin, London. Ooh, uh, Portugal, Madrid, and then Malta, and we got a 75 degree sunny day. Uh, it's they they have artifacts from 10,000 years ago to a city built 4,000 years ago. Uh, you know, I'm a student of history, so uh, history shows me human nature, and human nature never changes. And to see one tiny little country that has so much history, it's revealed. An amazing amount of knowledge for me to understand how humans exist and have existed for so long uh all the way to einstein having an academy here so there's no accident or coincidence that my favorite uh philosopher scientist metaphysician einstein the facilitator of my love language called time and relativity would bring us all together here on a thursday friday edition of training I've been doing this for over 24 years, and uh, we haven't missed one week. So I want to thank everyone. I uh, want to also welcome Adam to the show. You've been here before, my friend. What are you most excited about coming into our Thanksgiving week? Wow, brother. Well, first off, allow me to say thank you for allowing me to be your co-host today. You know, I love you. I admire you. I look up to you in so many ways. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to some quality time with the family. You know, just taking the dial and, and dialing it down from like a ten to a seven, and uh, <laughs> and and still keeping uh, the David Meltzer Adam Jablin intensity. Still keeping our uh, intentions on helping as many people as we can, but really really being with the family and, and enjoying the moment. What about you? You know, for me, uh, I'm really looking forward to having that average. Uh, there's a new, when it comes to time, you talk. I used to talk about weighted balance, right? Two minutes a day is worth two hours on a Saturday. Spending so much time with my family. My entire family is going to be home, all four kids. My mom is well, so we're going to pick her up and spend the rest with my siblings and their whole family. But I was thinking about time as I've traveled so much um, over the last 30 days. And it really isn't a weighted balance anymore for me. I call it a harmonious use of time. It's yeah. harmonious in the activities that I'm practicing and utilizing. So, you know, when I'm on vacation, I have a few minutes. We're still here, but we may we have go. lost David. So I'm back. Uh, okay. As time evolves and transpires. Thank you. Uh, but we better bring Morgan on before I, I lo lose my mind here. So, uh, yeah, I did like that about time. Morgan, 
What's happening? How hey, are you? you? Welcome you. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are y'all doing today? Very good. Well, we're going to give you a little amp up. No pun intended. CEO and founder <laughs> of Ascension Media Productions, AMP, ampcreative.io. Um, you and I have a lot in common with Adam. We're all uh, sales educators and co-creators and utilizing uh, our skill set in order to effectuate the ability to articulate quantitative value to exceed what we're asking for. And at the core of AMP, uh, I think you are one of the best facilitators of that and recognizes such to be able to do so. What are some of the key basic lessons that we can learn um, as you are one of the top sales voices on especially LinkedIn as well? What are some of the keys that we can give people uh, to help them achieve the ability, a comfort level of articulating quantitative value? Absolutely. So there's, there's, I think there's a lot of things we could talk about, but um, let's talk about three core things. So number one, y'all probably heard this a lot, but talk to your customers, but I'm going to give you a unique perspective. So most people, when they go sell, they're just like, you know, they were given a script, giving some foundation and they, that's all they will go do. The next step you have to take is go get your customers in a round table discussion. So something I've done when I train sales teams or even what I'm doing right now is I'll go find people, right, that I'm looking to sell to. And I say, hey, y'all, can I just have a round table discussion with you to understand what are you currently dealing with right now that are pain points, that are obstacles? And that way, in a round table discussion, it's more private and they'll give you those real answers. They can be customers and not customers. And now you can get a good baseline of how you can sell moving forward and what discovery questions you should be asking to figure out what problem do you truly solve, right? Reason that people buy, you're solving those problems. You're providing solutions. The potential buyers will give you that in a roundtable discussion with those customers, right? So that's like number one. Number two is when you're asking questions, make sure that there's always a layering point to that, right? One of the things that my mentor always told me is when you ask a question and the answer isn't something that can be used to, from a value point standpoint to sell, you should be asking the question right? Don't ask questions that don't help you with the sell itself. So always thinking about like, to what extent is has something happening? Asking someone to elaborate, can you walk me through? Baseline sales questions, but sometimes we look at things at surface value as sellers and say, oh, that sounds exciting, happy years, and you move on. Dive a little bit deeper there. What the actual diagnostic point of what you could be doing? I'll give a prime example of a question that Everyone here, you're listening in, whether you're a sales business owner that you can use that I have absolutely loved using that gets really to the point of what's going on. I always ask this question is, what happens if you don't make this decision? Now, I want you all to really, really write down that question, use it because when you ask that question, you're going to get a real answer like, hey, Morgan, if I don't get this done, like we might lose the business. All right. Well, you got a really good, you got, now you can drive some emergency, right? Because you uncovered it. Or they might be saying, hey, Morgan, like if we don't make a decision, like nothing really happens. That's also good for you as well, because that means you have more work to do. There's more things that need to be done. So that's number two is layering questions, understanding those points. Number three, I don't know how to how to get better at this is recapping what you've heard to make sure you're heading in the right direction. I think it's in sales. Sometimes we believe we hear things and then that's oh, that's it. Make sure that the buyer actually agrees with you. I like to call these pit stops. Now, David, Adam, I'm assuming you probably know what NASCAR is. Everybody in the audience, you probably know what NASCAR is. I've never been to one before. I've always wanted to go. But 
in NASCAR, typically they have two to three pit stops. And these cars are going extremely fast, but they're taking the time to stop, adjust, get get ready. Why don't we do that in sales? So when you when you're talking to someone 12 minutes into a call, but like, hey, look, I just want to make sure I'm on the right page so far. This is what I'm hearing. X, Y, Z. Am I accurate or am I missing anything? If they say yes, Morgan, I agree. Now there's confirmation bias. We can move forward. If they disagree and say, oh, well, Morgan, you missed something, rediscovery. So those are the three things that I would say there. Awesome. Adam. Yeah, Morgan, first of all, I love that. So round nights of the round table, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. Allow me to ask you this. How did you come about learning your skills? I mean, you're obviously uh, very intellectual. You're, you seem like a great listener. How did you pick up on these sales skills? Yeah, so the, the, it was a couple of baselines. I think when I went into my organization, the first time I went in sales, uh, I think everyone should do this if you have the opportunity. I went to the number one seller. I said, how are you doing this? <laughs> right? Like I went straight to the source, right? Yeah. Like how how are you doing this? What's going on? So they gave me a framework. They gave me some basis points on what to do. And that was that was extremely beneficial. Um, another thing that I got some advice from from a mentor is he was like, hey, if you want to learn sales, learn psychology. So I spent a lot of time reading books on psychology, reading you know, human emotions, the faces, the whole entire thing. So that's how I started learning more about the sales motion as well. And I also believe that when you're learning about sales is also how do you get attention? So the thing that I am known for what I do a lot of is top of the funnel prospecting. So I would read a lot of books on like, how do you actually get people's attention from how people put out movies? How do people put out like social media stuff? Like that's getting attention. So how do you do that and be innovative in the sales journey? Because inevitably you have to think about how is the buyer getting, um, you know, hit up. And I'm not so maybe you know this or maybe not, but on average, a person gets 100 to 200 sales emails a day, like an executive. So it's like, how do I stand out and be different? So I found different avenues from different, different points, right? How people market production movies. And I took that information from other industries and then applied it to how I sell. Love it. And, you know, Morgan, uh, I do a lot of sales training myself, and I usually ask the crowd, how many people or how long would it take you years ago to get in front of a thousand people? How long would it take you 10 years ago to get in front of a thousand people? And what it does is it hammer home the differentiator that you just said, you know, as much as there's 125 different emails, sales emails that a decision maker or a power sponsor would receive it is the most valuable today because most people would say that it would take more than a month or a month about to get in front of a thousand or contact a thousand people uh where a lot of people can do it within 10 seconds some can do it in a minute very few would take more than an hour it was told to me from a crowd a big crowd of sales reps uh therefore it's most important to not only get that attention but get them to email, DM you, call you, message you back. Uh, yep. It is the number one skill because if you want that, uh, I mean, one person out of a thousand get back and you can now get two, double your sales. Not only will you double your, your sales, but you'll get better at selling because you get more at bats. What is a tip that you can give people to not only stimulate interest by getting their attention, which is crucial at the top of the funnel, of but course. more importantly, I think, how can people DM you, call you, and message you back? Mm. 
that's 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 a fantastic there's a lot of routes to go um for everyone in the audience it'd be also good to understand where you sell to because i think i think this will be different in a lot of lanes and also before i go into my advice you'll probably saw google right has its whole entire thing that they're doing with with their spam right so you can't go crazy with email anymore so this is a whole different perspective but I will say this, there are two layers to this, depending on what industry you're in, it's always important. And I know, David, you're a huge proponent of this is to some level, I do believe you should be creating some type of content, right? That's the easiest way to get in front of a lot of people. And then once you build that audience, you then can find ways to engage with that audience. So I'll give you an example. So on LinkedIn, as of right now, I have you know over 150,000 followers. So if I post something, I can, I can engage, I can do certain things, I can reach out to people because I've built it over time. It is a lot easier for me to reach out to someone to have a conversation because I built that audience over time. However, if you're just starting out, there still is a lot of vantage points to this. When you start creating content, every person that likes your content Engage with them. Hey, thanks for liking my content. What did you like about it? If you get five likes, that's still five conversations you immediately could have versus sending out a lot of emails or doing a lot of cold calls. I'm not against these things, but that is a lot easier to start a conversation because someone did engage with you. So that's the first step is if you're not creating content, you should be doing that because it's easier to spark a conversation from someone who is engaged and you engage with every single person that likes it in the beginning and it creates a spiral effect. That's how I started. Now, the second thing is you have to think about how can I stand out? I'm a huge proponent of videos and voice notes. I don't know if y'all are a huge proponent of videos and voice notes. Some people are controversial on this. Uh, people in the comments, I don't know if you're afraid of this, but I'll give y'all a tip on this. So right now, I just had a call today. I was on a webinar. We had about 300 people on there and about half the people were in leadership executives. And I asked them, hey, in the past six months, how many videos or voice notes have you had to just get your attention? The answers, majority of it was zero to five. So think about that. They've only gotten zero to five. So you have a huge opportunity. And so what I tell people is, if you have not tried this out, do a video. To try, try this one a video. Do a voice note. Because they're going to be able to hear your tone. They're going to be able to feel your energy. And they're going to be able to feel that. And I know both of you are, you you, li you live on that, is that energy. When you meet somebody and you're like, that energy. I can't really convey that as much during text, but on a video, I absolutely can. On a voice note, I absolutely can. And so that's another great way to stand out on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. It doesn't really matter where you're at. You can do that WhatsApp. And my recommendation here is tactically, you want to keep that about 45 to 50 seconds when you do that. State the reason why you're reaching out, give some value, and then ask them what you want. I guarantee you if you start doing that, you'll start seeing some more responses and, and people even send you videos back. I yeah, love well, that. I mean, I, it, it emails it. You know what? Uh, we're going to have to have you back on other shows as well. Uh, we appreciate you coming. But I will tell you the one thing that stands out is I watch your content. And I know many companies and many people that utilize you in order to facilitate a big uh, advancement from the most important part of a business called revenue, which is generated by sales is that you have simplified for me value. And when we can give people more of what they like, and that's where that you know, liking comes in, or take away some, if not all, of what they don't like, those are only two ways that we can provide value. And then your ability to make people feel comfortable in articulating that value is extraordinary. If you want to get to the core of selling, if you want to be able to articulate that quantitative value in a comfortable manner, if you want to 
provide and create a community of people that are going to buy from you and sell for you. The CEO and founder of Ascension Media Productions, he amps us all up, ampcreative.io. Morgan, make me one promise. You'll please come back and join us. Oh, 100%. I'll be back. I'll be back for sure. I appreciate y'all having me. Morgan, amazing just, information in 10 minutes. That was insane. Yeah, no, yeah, I appreciate well, y'all. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone else for the comments as well. Yeah, we, we just gave Morgan exactly what he teaches. We just gave everyone a little bit of a dose there, a little sample. <laughs> and sales, sales crack 101, Morgan Ingram. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> right. Just in case you get a just in case you get addicted to Morgan, my man, the superhero, the hero of intervention. Adam Jablin, he is uh, the king of all addiction and the healer and recovery superhero. We got a couple moments before we bring on Paul Bramson. He is in the green room, heavy and waiting, ready at his microphone. But let's take a quick question, uh, damn good man, uh, while we're waiting here. Um, I, I like uh, productivity is a big part of sales. So this question's right here on the sidelines. What is one thing that you can try to do each day? David, for me, especially if we're going to talk about sales is get uncomfortable, get uncomfortable, reach out to that person that you're a little afraid of. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, Morgan just said, make a video. I think that that's one right that, you know, who said helping people in business had to be comfortable? It doesn't have to be comfortable. I feel like you got to stretch yourself a little bit. Put yourself out there, be vulnerable. And that's for, I believe, and you know, you taught me that. That's when things start, you start attracting these things to you. You, know, you start bringing these, you start bringing these people in. It's not about, oh, I'm going to do it when I'm comfortable. Be uncomfortable. That would be my number one answer. I love it. Uh, big shout out, by the way, Rhonda Shays in the house, producer of American Idol, good friend of mine, just stopping Rhonda. by. Over 86,000 people register for training now, building that community, two people. I'm like Noah's Ark, two by two by two, an exponential aggregator, an exp exponential growth of a community of people that are here to help each other and want to help each other. For me, the one thing you should try to do every day is try. Uh, you know, I find a lot of people live in the extra mile world. You know, they don't try every day. So what they do is they go the extra mile every once in a while and they try really hard on a Saturday. It's like cramming for a test and wondering or utilizing that cramming for a test or going the extra mile every once in a while to justify why you're not where you want to be. And so, you know, even with my own children, people ask me, what, you know, what, what are you trying to teach your children? What do you ask your children? I have four children and I, I literally, no matter what activity it is, one that I agree with, one that I don't agree with, whether it's, an activity of academics or sports or you know gaming i just ask three things at all times hey did you do your best what did you learn and did you have fun and i know in the mathematical equation of life that if you try and you learn and you have fun that exponentially you will accelerate and aggregate to a trajectory of where you want to be or better every single time. Um, and it requires you to try. So if you 
want to do or try something every day, why don't you try trying? Quit going through the motions. Don't live your life like a tube, food in and food out every day, rolling a boulder to the top of the hill, just never roll down to the bottom. This is what I see in the majority of people in the world is they're not trying. And if you're not trying, you're dying. And so I would say, if you want to do something every day, if you want to try something every day, try trying and stop justifying why you're not where you want to be and start being and becoming what you want to be. Uh, real quick, we have about two minutes and we'll bring a friend on here. Let me just grab another hey, question. You double yeah. down while you do that. I just want you to know one of my favorite quotes of all time was Michael Jordan. I can't accept not trying. Simple, yeah. simple, simple quote. I can't accept not trying. You know what? And Michael Jordan is one who uh, was born with a very high basement. His skills and his knowledge of basketball are so far superior than most people genetically and energetically. Uh, but he tried just like Kobe and, and LeBron and Steph, uh, which created a delt beyond their high basement. You and I could live our whole life trying basketball. We'll never get to the level of their basement. Uh, but then again, there'll be other things that they can't do that we can. But we all try our best, learn lessons, and have fun. All right, we're going to bring on uh, Paul with that That's last true. comment. I don't want to leave him waiting there. He looks about as patient as you and I, so we should be fine. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys are talking. How could you leave out Larry Bird? Come on, gentlemen. Oh, are you kidding guy. me? You got to be kidding oh my me. Gosh. What's That's up, so Paul? Good. What's up, Adam, David? What's going on, guys? And I love your vulnerability. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, yeah. brother. We got a triad of talent here. CEO of Paul Bramson Company is in the keynote speaker, also out of Atlanta. And you can check him out at thepaulbramsoncompanies.com. You know, I want to talk about connection, but not just connection, not just building a community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other. But I want to know about this intelligence of a leader I always say a great leader is an intelligent follower, but there has to be some sort of connection between uh, an intelligent follower and their community. Uh, how important is the connection, the emotion, what like and don't like by utilizing intelligence to be a follower, a learner, more interested in the community than interesting? So David, I want to, it's a great question. I want to, when we talk about connection, it's called communication intelligence. The biggest challenge that leadership has, we could also talk about from a selling perspective as well, is people or leaders don't understand how to pivot or navigate to somebody's underlying need when they make a connection. So what do I mean by that? As I'm talking to both of you, I'm trying to figure out your underlying need, discern how you're built so I want to use words and phrases that connect with you to get you to have a healthy and open dialogue with me. The challenge that leaders and selling professionals run into is we speak from our own optics, our own underlying need, and we feel like that should resonate with you. But what better resonates with you is if I understand how excuse me, Adam is built or how David is built, and I use words and phrases that better connect with you, you're more likely to have a healthy dialogue with me. And that to me is communication intelligence. And that's the big gap or the big miss that people have. This also takes emotional intelligence as well, by the way. Situational awareness, 
self-awareness and self-regulation. It's a complicated subject matter, but people understand it. It's the applying and the embracing that becomes difficult. I love that. I love that. Paul, let me ask you this. What do you like? Let's say you heard us. I mentioned Michael Jordan. You come in with Larry Bird. We yeah. now already have a connection. Is yeah. that what you do with your clients? Do you, are you are you listening? Are Always. You just, are you just looking for cues? Hyper focused. Hyper focused. I am hyper focused on uh, observable actions, words, phrases, and I'm constantly trying to pivot to make sure that I'm connecting with Adam, connecting with David. I'm really focused on that. And if I don't see it or something seems off, I will pivot. I will navigate to be sure that I'm connecting. But most people are not present that way. They have messages to deliver, so they deliver the message. So it's more about the content than the people that they're trying to connect. I would argue, let's connect with the people through words and phrases, and then your content's more likely to resonate. But yes, to your answer, Adam, I am always looking to, to hold on to something so that you and I can connect. And Paul, one of the things that I see that separates us, um, I have a saying, everyone has an open mind for a certain amount of time. And it's a deciphering uh, intelligence, which is an emotional intelligence to figure out, am I dealing so with someone with an open mind? Because it takes a thousand times the effort to re-engineer a closed mind than it does an open one. And if we're lucky enough to catch someone who has a closed mind the majority of the time, statistically will be far more successful because they don't have many options or opportunities because they normally have a closed mind, but I call them they have an open mind. Um, I see this especially important in what Adam does, uh, hero recovery. And, you know, it's very difficult to help someone with recovery if they have a closed mind and they don't want to change. Um, how does this connection in emotional intelligence help facilitate either one, identifying a closed mind and leaving yeah. an option open to re-engage later, or do we use it also to re-engineer a closed mind or are we better off waiting for a different time? Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there, David. So well, you got like 60 seconds. I got maybe. what, 60 seconds? <laughs> Let me try to unpack it. So I'm going to give you very, real quickly, in the underlying needs, there's four underlying needs. Need to be right, liked, safe, and look good. Right, liked, safe, and look good. Let's say we're talking to a need to be right. I don't think either of you are need to be right, but let's just say we're talking to a need to be right. You could use what I'm about to say to you with any of the underlying needs. In order to get people to open up, we've got to ask for permission. People forget to do this. If I have different optics than you or a different perspective, I would say, Adam, it's interesting what you say. I have a different perspective than you have. Are you open to something different? I need to get him to say yes so I can actually get them to, to open up. He's more likely to open up when you ask things like that. So it's, it's one thing to have good timing with delivery with a message, but I need to find out, are you actually open to it? How many times have you ever been in a discussion with somebody and you're not open to their feedback? You're just not open to it. But they, if they'd asked you, hey, I'm curious, I have a different perspective. I want to share some with you. Are you open to listening to it? Who's going to say no, by the way, unless they're very emotional? They're going to say yes, by the way, let's their guard down, and then they're more likely to hear a different perspective or different objects. I hope that answers your question, by the way. Oh, yeah, no. That was great. That was great. Yeah, Paul, 
one of the things that you know i was reading up on you um and and your success is phenomenal but one Thank of the you. things, especially fortune 500 but one of the things that the, the words that popped to me was the pivot i loved when i was reading about the pivot can you give us an example uh right now even if you want to go back to the four yeah right let's say you're having that emotional yeah. person you're having that person that does yeah can you give us a quick pivot of what that would look like? So let's just say that you and I were having a robust dialogue and I wasn't agreeing with you, but you just did something with me that worked really well, Adam, because I'm a need to look good. I'm going to share that with you. You said you, you complimented me. So if you knew how I was built and you threw compliments at me, that helps me to loosen up to diffuse my emotion and I'd be more that that would be you pivoting to my underlying need that gets me to open up. So you I, I don't know that you were purposely trying to do that, but the fact that you did that, I that would be somebody pivoting to my underlying need to get me to calm down, diffuse a bit, so I'm more open to hearing the dialogue. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. So for instance, if you are a a need to be liked, I'm gonna be super super gentle when I am delivering a message to you and being appreciative and thankful for your input. And that would be me pivoting to your underlying need. If you're a need to be right, I'd be like, you know what? I really like the way you think. I love the ad that you always have. I need you to know that before I say something. You add value all the time. So I'm constantly pivoting to somebody's underlying need. I hope this answers your question, Adam. Very much. In order to connect better about like what you use paul humor so you know yeah. i would say all the time oh you know hey paul i love your hair and then you would say <laughs> oh come on babe. and then i'd say but grass doesn't grow on a busy street so then i'll come in with the you know need to, to look good after teasing you or you bring up the boston celtics uh you mm -hmm. know we're Lakers fans or whatever it may be uh how does humor fall into uh getting this connection so <laughs> humor can play a very impactful part. So for instance, if we are in a crowd or we're in a, like you say in a leadership room and your humor is sarcastic and biting to a need to look good, it can shut them down very quickly. Mm -hmm. It could certainly shut down a need to be right very quickly. So you have to you you have to use humor appropriately to the underlying needs. So your humor would have to be to a need to look good, complimentary, to a need or to be right, or or, or self-deprecating uh, because they or self-deprecating. Correct. That's exactly right, right. right. So like you know, if I said something like, "Wow, you look like you're in great shape," you know, so am I. Round is a shape. Yes, that, person, that would right? work. <laughs> that would work. That would exactly, but if, if you were in need to be right, I'd be like, listen, I don't like the diet that you're on. I just don't like it. I don't believe in it. That's right. not going to work for me to be right. Not now, what about, if I, what, what about a joke of like, if I joked, Jordan's the goat, what does that do? Is that a, is that build a bridge or does it actually push the person away? Um, you have such a nice demeanor, Adam. It wouldn't bother. It, your, your, yeah. your demeanor goes over really well with a lot of people. That wouldn't but that sarcasm would be well, I mean it's you have a great argument by the way for it. It's legit. It's legit. That would work fine. For our listeners that are learning from you, like let's say they're trying to learn how to 
they they really want to take these skills. You know, what I mean, yep. I, I like to be funny. I want to make people feel good. What would that actually build a wall, or would that kind of build a bridge? I would argue that would build a bridge. With me, it would. Yeah. Now, I also have Boston humor. Where I have yeah. a northeastern humor. There's a little cultural, regional thing. Yeah, yeah. Where are you from, Adam? Jersey. So we were like brothers. We are, what part of Jersey? Uh, right by the George Washington Bridge. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Jets or Giants? Do Jets. That's but that's because of my father. We have one good year, better than the Patriots. I don't want to talk about it. I, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I think I to think your point, and your question is incredibly valid, is, by the way, with what you have to discern somebody's underlying need before you use humor that's going to connect. Discern the underlying need. You have to. I mean, by the way, that's you can't. it's hard to do that in 10 minutes. But if you understand the liked, right, safe and look good so i'm with the use of humor it can really build a nice bridge very nice That's really nice actually and to that measure of looking good you look good when you help uh, others as these intelligent followers leaders communicators connectors um and you do three things really well and teach these three things uh and this are the three things that i actually uh talked to Adam last time we were in uh, Salt Lake City together, that there's a teacher, someone that can explain things really well. Uh, there's a mentor, someone who sits in a situation that they want to be in and give them directions. And then you need the teacher to teach them how to take those steps. And then the most interesting one is a coach. And Adam's a superhero coach. And a coach has this emotional intelligence to bring the best out of people so tiger woods coach for example is not nearly doesn't know nearly as much about golf or the techniques of golf than tiger woods but he brings the best out of the best just like lebron's coach or uh, larry bird's coach would bring the best out of him uh, right. so for you in the realm of transforming a leader and utilizing connectivity and communication to have this emotional intelligence, which one of the three, if any, are more important or do you need all three in order to be uh, an intelligent follower, a connected leader? When you say which one of the three, give me the three again, David, so I can Mentoring. So a mentor yep. giving directions to where you are, a teacher yep. teaching you how to get there or a coach bringing the best out of you. Sorry. So, I mean, obviously they have their, situationally, they all have their place. I'm going coach all the way. Coach, yeah. The coach is, is helping them, uh, inspiring for applying and embracing a, a, an effective coach, understands how somebody's built to, to get them highly skilled. So I'm all about being highly skilled. When we talk about sales, when we talk about leadership, a coach is somebody that can make somebody highly skilled through training in practice and things of that nature. So I'll go coach all the way. Well, you mean that you coach, teach, and mentor us anytime, especially in sales. We have a thematic sales day here on Love Friday it. training of office hours. Uh, it is also the premiere of Two Minute Drill Season 5 today on Apple TV. Just as a reminder, as we have people like Paul Bramson joining us today, check out the Paul Burton Companies dot com keynote speaker incredible sales trainer and teacher and emotionally intelligent friend of ours even though he's a celtic fan we still love him. <laughs> come back and come back and join us thanks for having me gentlemen it was a pleasure oh, awesome great job
Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. We're going to, uh, Adam, take a couple questions. I know waiting in the wings is Rich himself. If you want to get Rich, uh, you're going to have to hold on a few minutes while we bring him in because this guy has a strategy to sales. He's going to take you to a place of abundance, more than enough of everything for everyone. He is an author and speaker, of course, uh, and he has lived it himself. So uh, a lot of people talk about it. He's walked the walk. Let me check out a quick question, if you don't mind. Let's uh, do it. You ready for me, Adam? Yeah, man. They put so many good questions in here. I have trouble getting them all. Hold on. Give me two seconds as I'm arrowing down here. Um, it's your show, baby. I'm the co-host. Yeah, look at this. We're a question here. If you could eat dinner with three sports legends, living or dead, who would you pick? Oh, God. Okay, here we go. It's not easy for me, by the way. But no. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jordan. I'm gonna go Brady. And I'm gonna go. Wow, the third one's a little I'm like I'm like arguing in my head here. I'm gonna go Jordan, I'm gonna go Brady, and I'm gonna go Jeter. Nice. Well, I I I won't pick any live ones because I have been blessed to have dinner and hang out with a, a lot of those. In fact, just blessed to be in Mexico City with Tom Brady and Chicharito, which was a thrill. So I'm going to go dead athletes. I think for me, I, I'd like to go Jackie Robinson, uh, Roberto Clemente, uh, and uh, wow, the, the last one's a hard one. Yeah, definitely Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, and uh, Pele. Those would be the three. Baseball, one soccer. Okay. Yeah, not too bad. But uh, Clemente is always. I represented the Clemente family, and uh, that would be my number one choice. Roberto Clemente, Jackie Robinson, the two, and Pele the three. All right. Real quick question, then we'll bring on Richie Rich. Here we go. Uh, how can I connect with you? Oh no, that's person wants. Just reach out if you want to connect with me. That's easy. Uh, all right. <laughs> This is a, actually a good one for us because uh, you have the toughest sale in the world. I get easy sales, right? I get to take rich people and make them richer, take kids and make them better. Uh, you take people that normally have a very closed mind and try to make them better, uh, you know, as a healer, a super he healer and hero. What's your favorite movie or show about sales? Oh, wow. My favorite movie about sale, you know, God, what is the name of it? Um, with Alec Baldwin when he has brass balls and it's got Al Pacino and uh, man, what's the name of that movie? You know what I'm talking about? I do. Like two in the morning here in Malta. Like I'm on yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. I'm seeing the scenes of the movie and I'm not remember. But it's it's a, it's a, it's about sales. You know what I mean? And Alec yeah. Baldwin. I, I, and we have a guest coming on, or I would Google it, Dave. But it's it's just yeah, the we'll, we'll let Raluca Google it. We'll let my my mine by far. It's not Boiler Boiler Room. It's it's actually the Greatest Showman. Uh, oh, that's a great movie. It's, it's Hugh Jackman, and yeah. and it's a musical. And uh, but I I could watch that a hundred times. And it, it people may not think it's about sales, but it's absolutely one of the greatest sales films of all time of enjoying the consistent everyday persistent without quit 
pursuit of your potential. And it represents my journey of fighting my own ego, growing up with nothing, making it all, losing it, and then making it back and creating a legacy of the Barnum and Bailey circus, uh, which lived on. Uh, but you know, if you want to understand the ego side of sales, some people say the Wolf of Wall Street. Belfer is a friend of mine. Uh, it's a good one. But to me, uh, Showman is the greatest show about sales. Speaking of the greatest show on earth, uh, Rich Horwarth is here, CEO of Strategic Thinking Institute, New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, strategyskills.com. We set the stage for you, my friend. Welcome to Office Hours. David, put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers <laughs> only. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I love it. Oh, you see this watch? You see this watch? Thank you, Rich. Love Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I knew we would know. We should. We should have known. Hey, well, already coming in hot, and uh, we've been talking about sales all day for this training. And I brought in some friends and some experts and. As our cleanup hitter, I know you're not going to let us down, but there is skill to selling. And it took me a little while because of what they call or did call when I first started out of law school at Eagle, I could slice the Eskimos. But until I took it as a profession, hmm. I didn't understand what I was leaving on the table. And I was blessed to be around Dennis Waitley and Mike Bosworth, uh, who kept telling me, Dave, I will keep planting seeds. It may be under a tree I never sit under, but someday you'll lose that arrogance and you'll become a professional salesperson and really get good. And I laughed at them. Uh, and when I think of them, I think of you because you are the epitome of empowering professionals uh, to sell and taking it as a profession. What are some of the skill sets uh, that you help to enhance in either a journeyman, someone that may not have the LeBron type of sales skills, or even those who do have the highest levels of skills, knowledge, and desire to sell. David, one of the things I'd start with is, uh, you know, your book, Game Time Decision Making, you bring up a great concept in there of the keen awareness of the playing field. And I'm a big believer that the first thing we have to do is we have to have a real understanding of our situation. And so that situation starts before we ever get in front of a prospect or a client or somebody that we're trying to retain. It's really about understanding what's my agenda, but more importantly, what's their agenda? Get inside their mind, look at things from their perspective. You know, we hear the term be a strategic partner a lot in sales, but it's very rare that actually somebody is a strategic partner. So I'm, I'm just a big believer that, look, we've got to understand where the person's coming from. We have to understand the situation and then that gives us the opportunity to really tailor what we're saying and the value that we can provide to that person. Rich, that's awesome. Do you mind me asking, what inspired you to write strategic? Yeah, thanks, Adam. So one of the things that happened is I do a lot of strategic planning work. And, you know, you've been in those big strategy sessions, the war rooms, right, where everybody's throwing stuff on whiteboards and things like that. So we were having a 12 hour one of those and we were at a break about halfway through. And one of the mid-level managers came up to me. We we're having some coffee, trying to stay awake. And he said, you know, Rich, I just had my performance review at work. And my sales manager said, I'm too tactical. I need to be more strategic. How do I do that? 
And, you know, Adam, when you look at all the books that are out there on strategy and, and sales, a lot of them are more corporate level. You know, what do you do for this big account or how do you how do you manage a company strategy? And what I found is that there's not a lot for the individual person to be strategic. So that was my inspiration was, hey, let's create a roadmap that people can use to actually practice the skills to be strategic. You know, David, with all your experience in, in sports and all the great athletes you've worked at, you understand how important the practice is. And, and we don't typically see all the hours that go into the practice. But I challenge everybody out there listening and watching, how many hours this week did you practice your key business skills? That's what separates people in business. And too often we think about it in sports, but not in business. That, that is gold right there. That is nuggets that I try to share uh, sometimes uh, successfully without uh, speaking too high in the level of speech is one thing that I love is you use common language to help people with that practice. And sometimes we know too much for our own good and we can't articulate it at a comfortable level, the common language that's necessary uh, to do. So I will tell you within the common language and the comfort level that you can, you know, people, you're, you're a speaker as well, so you'll understand this. People ask like, how can you charge so much to speak? They'll ask me, right? You're you're just not that good comparatively. Why would I spend six figures on you and then 25 grand on Belfort? You know, he was in Wolf of Wall Street. You weren't really in Jerry Maguire. Uh, you know, you're not worth it. And um, but I tell them it's real simple. The reason people pay is because I practice articulating the value that I provide and I'm very comfortable doing and perceived values created by a comfort level and nothing else. It's that's why they call it perceived value. Now, everyone has their bottom line and that's math, uh, right? And in cost of goods, et cetera. But the perceived value is the most important. That's where the margins of millionaire are made. Um, how do you help people utilize common language to their strategy, which is a key component of what you teach and create the practice mechanisms in order to be comfortable using the common language to create a perceived value. Yeah, David, you hit on such a key point there because when we think about strategy, we think about our sales strategy, our marketing strategy, our plans in general. Oftentimes I see these 30, 60, 80 slide decks and there's so much data, there's so much information in there. And really what I do is I sit down with people and I say, I want you to answer two questions for me. Number one, what are you trying to achieve? And number two, how are you going to achieve it? Those are the two questions that are at the core foundation of any plan. So if you're going to create value for your, for your prospect, for your client, whoever you're creating value for, you got to answer those two questions. What am I trying to achieve here and how am I going to do it in a way that's going to create that differentiated value? You know, David, as somebody who's seen you for many years um, on the stage and in what you do, you've created that differentiation. That's the value that people are paying for when, like you said, they're paying that six figures to bring you in. You've created that differentiation through your experience. and But more importantly, you've taken your experience and you've transformed that into expertise that other people like myself, the folks watching and listening, we can use day in and day out. And to me, that's the most important thing. Let's think about what are we trying to achieve? How are we going to do it? That's going to then create that differentiated value that that you can take and, and really leverage for success. And I will, I will add, I think it's important. The only people that can help people 
are those that know those two things because if you know those two things then you can say okay who can i help and who can help me and that truly gives you the acceleration and the exponentiality and the outcomes that you're looking for especially in sales sorry for interrupting adam I know Yo, I don't know. Here. that I means know. a good question's coming. This means a good question's coming. Yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> this is this is this thing scratchy. But uh, you know, I was thinking about how clean that was, right? The the what and the how. Rich, once you get those two things, what do you do next with your client? Yeah, so once you've got the what and the how, then it really turns into what is the way that you're gonna deliver the value. And, you know, I think about delivery today, you know, we think about a topic like innovation, you know, creating, I, I define innovation as creating new value. And so what we really need to think about is, and, and I ask myself this question in the morning before I start my work. And at the end of the day, I ask myself, who can I create and deliver value for today? And at the end of the day, I rate myself on a, I'm a big fan of scoring everything. So zero to five, zero means I created and delivered no value, five as I delivered high value. So I'm a big believer that every interaction, we've got to be asking ourselves before the interaction, what's the value I can deliver to your point, Adam, and how can I do it in a way that's going to be memorable and important and, and, and lasting with that person? So I'm a big believer, and I'd recommend to everybody out there, start scoring your interactions. If you've got meetings, sales meetings, staff meetings, uh, board of directors meetings, start scoring them on a scale of zero to five. What you'll find at the end of the week is the stuff that zeros, get rid of that. You don't need that stuff. So again, I'm a big believer that we've got to really think about once we've got what we want to do, how we're going to do it, then we want to think about that delivery of value and really start scoring yourself. Because as we've always heard, you know, what gets measured gets done. It's such a great point, Rich. And, you know, I believe time is a dependent variable, a quantitative dependent variable, especially in sales. Uh, but there is strategy around a special word. And it's the word that's key to sales to me is you know, the word no. And I, if you don't have a strategy for no, just not in sales, but in life, you know, I was with Angelo Pizzo who did Rudy and Hoosiers and the 500 and the hill is now out and all American. And he said, I go, dude, after doing Hoosiers, like what most people don't realize what makes you remarkable is you did Rudy and like the amount of no's like you must get even in the pressure that must be on you. He said, David, you know, making, first of all, Hoosiers is like swimming in a sea of no's looking for an island of yes that you don't know exists. And the minute I got to the island, they made me jump off and swim through a whole bunch more no's and try to get to the next island. And I'm 70 something years old, still doing it today. So what strategy do you have for that elusive no or that discouraging no? Yeah, so I'm a big believer that you, you can either retreat and regroup or you can abandon the mission. And again, when you think about strategy, especially from a sales standpoint, it's one thing to retreat, but it's a whole nother thing to retreat, reflect. That's the key point, reflect, and then adapt and modify the message uh, that you need that you need to convey. You talked about swimming. Um, I used to scuba dive back in the early days. And one of the things that I always found is if I have air, if I have pressure left in the tank, I'm good. If I'm at zero, then I'm done. And in sales, we're almost never at zero. You know, th there may be a no, but that no is right here. It's not, that's not, that's not a final no. So we need to, we need to understand what do we have left in the tank in order to move this thing forward. So I'm a big believer that if you get a no, step back, 
reflect, and then let's take another approach. So many no's turn into yeses if we've got the fortitude, the perseverance, and if we come up with contingency plans. I love what you said there, David, because I'm a big believer also that you've got to have contingency plans. So if I'm going into the sales call, it's a big client, there's a good chance I'm going to get a no. Okay, what are the three no's? I like to think about what types of no's am I going to get? So if I get three different no's in this situation, no, this is too costly, no, uh, I'm not the right decision maker, or no, we tried that in the past, I'm going to build out my what and how, back to Adam's point earlier, and I'm going to come up with contingency plans for each of the no's before I ever get in there. Oh, my gosh. I wish I knew you when I was dating. That was amazing advice. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Adam, you want you want to bring our cleanup hitter home and throw him a curveball? Yeah, well, I don't even necessarily know if I have a curveball. I mean, everything's pretty – so you said there was a time there, Rich, where it, it's time to actually retreat and, and, and call it a day. When do you know that? When when do you have a feel for that? that you know, Great question. Yeah, that's a good, a really good question, Adam. So I, I really think that you've got to understand once you've been in that situation, you've been in the interaction with that person, you should have absolutely be walking out with what does value look like to them? So if nothing else, and especially if you're getting a no, always be asking the why questions. Why isn't this fit? Why isn't this valuable to you? If, if you can get, understand what value is to them, then to your point, when you go back and you retreat, you reflect. Now what I need to understand is, does my product, does my service, does my offering, does my do my values bring along the, the mission that I'm trying to convey to this person? Do we have common ground on value? If mm. I can't satisfy the value they're looking for, then I would be better off going to somebody else who's going to appreciate it, who's going to pay for it in the end. So what I really recommend take home point is always walk away understanding whether it's a yes or no, what is valuable to that person, and then come back and think about, can I bring that value that they're looking for? Yeah, it's great. Totally agree. And I think you'll find that there's a resistance to this isn't the right time, uh, or there's an emotional problem. My dog just got ran over. Yeah. Uh, or there's a value in you, uh, and you can leave people by saying this obviously isn't the right time. Mm -hmm. Let me know what it is uh, over the time and emotion. You need to reconstruct a value, uh, which is giving more of what you like or taking away what they don't like to quantify it greater than what you're asking for. Yeah. Look, you can't just do this in 10 minutes with Rich Horwarth. He is a legend, CEO of Strategic Thinking Institute. New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. I think he has eight books out there, but you got to get his newest one. He keeps learning. So the newest one's the best one. I promise you, strategic, the skill to set the direction, create advantage and achieve executive excellence. No better place to go than rich to get rich. Thanks for joining me, man. Come back and join us soon. David, thanks so much. Great to be with you, Adam. Thanks again. Have a great day, guys. Rich, take care. Have a great man. day. Thank you. You guys are on a different day than me, but... Uh, Adam, we got four minutes left on training. I'm a time lover, so it's my love language. I love at the end of my trainings, especially, uh, we've been doing this over 24 years, uh, over 86,000 people registered for this training today alone, let alone the people that watch the replay, which is far more. What's your takeaway of the day? What resonated with you the most? 
Uh, you might find my. I'm going to name several if that's okay. I'm going to name. Yeah. Uh, from it's, our your, first, your, it's your gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so for our first for our first guest, I, I love the Knights of the Round Table. I love how he was saying, "Be open, get everybody's feedback." I like that rather than hierarchy. You know what I mean, David? Like, let, let's let, let's let's all be equals and, and hear each other. Um, for our second guest with the emotion, I loved when we were talking about between the Celtics and Jordan, right? As in, let's let's start a common language and be emotionally intelligent and have humor. That was fantastic. And Rich just knocked it out of the park. I don't even know where to begin with Rich, but I just love the idea of knowing the what and the how. He made it like once you have that, it's a simple game plan. Um, and you're one of the people that taught me the most about like, like look at business, not just spiritually, but as a sport, right? It's a game plan. Uh, that was one of the greatest lessons you've ever taught me. So I love that Rich kind of brought that back. Yeah, no, great synopsis. And three takeaways are always better than one. Uh, I will remind people that for me, it's important to have takeaways, but only take away that which resonates with you. Know that it doesn't mean it's instantly going to have an impact on your life, but I believe outside of linear time that when things resonate with us, it tells us to have an awareness. It's an intuition to say, hey, this is going to be, I don't know when, it could be 10 seconds from now or it could be 10 years from now, this is going to be relevant in your life. It'll give you more relativity and a statistical success. So doing these takeaways are extremely important. My takeaway is a lesson I learned in sales when I finally became a professional in sales, when I took it seriously and started practicing sales like Tony Gwynn, my favorite baseball player, practice hitting. Uh, and the lesson is, and it applies to all three, that people buy on emotion for logical reasons. And if you're not utilizing both in sales skill, then you're missing out. People buy on emotion for logical reasons. So with all credibility, if we can make that connection emotionally and articulate the value logically to exceed what we're asking for, if we can give people more of what they like or take away what they don't like, you will build a community of people that want to help each other. You'll be able to use lines like, would it help you if? Or, Do you know anyone that could help me? And if we build that community, the one that I built with superheroes like Adam Javelin, you will have a community of people for life like Adam and me together, buy from each other and sell for each other every single day for life. I'll be selling for you and buying from you, Adam. And I know you do the same for me. That's what creates abundance. That's a community of people that help each other and know people that can help each other, community people, elevating others to elevate them most. Check out Adam Jablin. He is just a mentor of all time on all my shows. You'll see him everywhere. There's a Superman behind him. I'm Batman. He's Superman. It's always great to have you. Come back as a host anytime you want, my friends. And I will see you in Miami for the Influencer Award at Art Basel or Basel or Faisal, whatever you want to call it. I love you, my brother. I love you, David. Please know I love you. I admire you. I respect you. Have a safe trip and, and just keep doing what you're doing, man. 23 talks in 30 countries. I, I don't even know how you're, you're just, you're my super. You're my 30 super. Days. 30 days. I, 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 it's insane. It's insane.
I love you. Thank you. All right, everyone, the great Adam Javelin. Just a reminder, go on Apple TV when it's Friday. It's Friday here in Malta, but it may not be where you are. And check out Two Minute Drill Season 5. It's the best one ever. We are teaching people the perfect pitch, how to pitch, how to get rich, not just by listening to rich. Uh, but most importantly, that's right, Two Minute Drill Season 5 premiere. Check it out. Uh, if you want a signed copy of my book, if you want to guide the five to thrive sales guide, go ahead and email me, David at dmelzer.com. If you like my book on top, not a problem, David at dmelzer.com. Remember, most importantly, we've been doing these things a long time. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Take care.